morning. Good morning, everybody. I'm going to go ahead and get our gathering uh, started. It is 1030, and I am super excited to see all of you on this morning. Welcome to the Village Church, where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus in all things. And our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. If you are a guest today, welcome. There are guest information cards located outside the sanctuary doors in the narthex. Please fill one out and drop it in the basket. We look forward to connecting with you. Uh, Village Church faithful, if by any chance someone walks in that you're not familiar with, go ahead and make sure they uh, get that information card filled out, okay? We welcome our senior pastor, Reverend Alex Shipman, back from his sabbatical. Y'all can give a hand for that. And uh, his family, we recognize them as well. Welcome back, y'all. Missed y'all a great deal. My, myself, personally, missed y'all a great deal. Now, uh, for our uh, new members, uh, there is a, a meet and greet uh, with Pastor Alex and his family scheduled for today after the gathering uh, and uh, just so you all will kind of know uh, Pastor Alex's first uh, Sunday back in the pulpit will be on January 23rd and I for one am looking forward to that. Uh, we want to give you a reminder uh, today that our nursery is open so if you have children five and under you can definitely get them checked into the nursery today. At the Village Church, we believe that the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. So you may give to the vision and mission of the Village Church by using a link on our webpage, which is www.enterthevillage.net forward slash give. You can also mail a, church, a check to our physical address, 2103 Virginia Boulevard. That's in Huntsville, Alabama, 35811. And if you're here, you can drop off your offering in the designated area in the back of the sanctuary. So we want you to be a part of our flock. So please join us on Flock Note by texting join the mission, all one word, lower lowercase. Join the mission to 84. Five seven six. Again, join the mission to 84576. On January 12th at 7 p.m., we will begin our new corporate prayer schedule, which we will in, in which we will be meeting once a month on the second Wednesday of the month. Uh, this will be both in person and via Zoom, and the link will be sent out um, via um, the Village Happenings announcements. I have one more announcement to give to you all. Are you interested in global missions? Do some of Jesus's future-oriented sayings challenge you? Take, for instance, Matthew 16, 18, where Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Two thousand years have passed since the writings of, since the writings of the Gospels. Is there any evidence that he is doing what he said? The course perspectives on the world Christian movement could help answer those and other questions. Churches of various denominations nationwide will host, will host classes in 2022. And here in Huntsville on Wednesday evenings at 6 p.m., classes are available at Whitesburg Baptist Church. More information is available at class.perspectives.org forward slash visitor forward slash public uh, public yeah forward slash public or by simply contacting one of our elders Dennis Bradford so that's probably the simpler way to handle that that is a long website uh, uh, address so if you're interested in global missions uh, which our brother uh, Dennis Bradford is very passionate about Go ahead and see him. Dennis, go ahead and wave your hand real quick. Y'all know Dennis. All right, so good people, those are your announcements. Please govern yourselves accordingly. Let's stand for our call to worship on today. 
Call to worship is taken from the song Praise to the Lord the Almighty. I'll read the part that says leader and we'll read the parts that say congregation all together. Praise to the Lord the Almighty, the King of creation. O my soul, praise him for he is your help and salvation. Come all who hear, now to his temple draw near. Join me in glad adoration. Praise to the Lord. O let all that is in me adore him. All that has life and breath, come now with praises before him. Let the Amen sound from his people again. Gladly forever adore him. All right, let's proceed in the worship of the Lord Jesus. Y'all may be seated. Good morning, everyone. Today, our confession of sin will come from Galatians 3, verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Let's take a moment of silent confession to reflect on this passage and our lives. Our assurance of pardon also comes from Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Amen. And this morning's uh, uh, scripture passage comes from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. So beginning with verse number 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, and that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the word of the and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god praying at all times in the spirit with all power and supplication to that end keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Amen. Good morning, y'all. All right, that was weak. 
So let's try that again. Good morning, y'all. Good morning. All right. Thank you, Wakita. You're excited to be back. Yeah, I, I can tell. I can tell. So in a, in a moment, we're, we're going to go before God in a prayer of supplication. But if you haven't noticed already, we're not singing today, which is probably glaringly obvious <clears throat> to most of you. Uh, but uh, we ask that you would keep our musicians and our uh, director of music and prayer, uh, our uh, regular piano player, Soter, is out with COVID, and uh, Patience was not feeling well, uh, so she is, you know, following the, the, the you know, CDC guidelines and all of that uh, to, you know, just take every precaution to, to love her neighbor well and to, you know, love herself well as well. Uh, so we thank uh, Brother Carlos uh, Rogers for being here with us today uh, in, uh, in their stead. So thank you again, Brother, for coming to serve us this morning. And guys, I, I don't know uh, if you all are excited, but I'm excited that Pastor Alex is back. Uh, so I uh, just want to acknowledge him again this morning. Uh, now, I must say <clears throat> that I have enjoyed... Uh, the privilege of you know coming before y'all and uh, you know bringing God's word every Sunday. So I want to thank you for uh, trusting me. I- I'll say uh, to uh, exposit God's word uh, in your in your absence because uh, I really could have done some damage. You know what I'm saying. Uh, so thanks for, for trusting me to, to to do to do this, and also thanks to the uh, uh, other elders for uh, trusting me and, and walking alongside me as well during this season so y'all got me for one more week after this and then some very unique things are going to be happening uh in in the future so uh i don't know stay uh stay alert because there are some announcements that are going to be coming down the pipeline uh so uh now that we've done that uh, let's go to uh, before our god in a prayer of supplication God, you are a God who is merciful, gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. You keep steadfast love for thousands. You forgive iniquity and transgression and sin, but you are a God who will by no means clear the guilty. So, Father, since that is your character, we put our hope and our trust, our faith in you. Thank you for being a God of love. We thank you that you are a a holy, holy, holy God. We thank you that you have taken the initiative to love us. The Bible tells us that while we were yet sinners, you sent your son to die for our sins. So, Lord, in this prayer of supplication, we lift up our hearts to you because we know and we believe and trust that you are the only one who has the answers to our prayers. So God, we pray for the church, the church globally, the universal church. We pray that uh, the church would continue to grow and expand throughout the entire world, that disciples would be made, both foreign and domestic. Lord, I pray for uh, local churches here in Huntsville. I pray uh, that... uh, Faithful churches would faithfully proclaim the gospel of truth on this morning. I pray for local pastors as they stand to proclaim the gospel, that the spirit would be at work and that the gospel would be proclaimed and that salvation would be granted to someone on this morning. Lord, I pray that you would continue to raise up people for the harvest. Your word tells us that the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. So, Lord, we pray for laborers to go into the harvest, Lord Jesus. We pray also that unfaithful churches, churches that are not faithful to the gospel, that they would repent and that they would turn away from their unfaithfulness and that they would be, uh, that they would turn to be faithful gospel preaching, gospel declaring, Bible believing churches. Lord, we pray now for the ministries that we support as the Village Church. 
We pray for Trey and Kiki Adams in Thailand that gospel fruit would be a result of their ministry. We pray for Amanda Cook as she serves on the campus of UAH with uh, InterVarsity, that she would also see the fruit of the gospel. We pray for Marcus Nobles as he serves with RUF at Alabama A&M, that he would also uh, experience the fruit of the gospel. We pray for uh, Vinny Athey as he serves also at UAH, that all of these ministries that we support would see gospel fruit. We pray for Lincoln Village Ministry, that even as they serve the community and they serve uh, the, the children through school, that even in that scholastic environment and even in the environment of serving people socially, that they will see the truth of the gospel and come to faith and repentance. Lord, we pray also and we trust and we know that you are powerful to bring an end to this pandemic that we have all suffered through. Lord, we know that uh, you can bring an end to this pandemic. We haven't lost hope that with a, a word, you could bring it all to an end. So, Lord, we pray that you would that you would do that, that you would bring an end to this global pandemic by the power of your spirit. Lord, we pray for the families of this church that we would be families who would reflect Ephesians 5 and Ephesians 6. Pray for husbands, that husbands would be men who would love their wives as Christ loves the church. Pray for wives, that they would be wives who respect and honor their husbands. We pray that uh, as parents, uh, our families would shepherd their children well, and that they would not provoke their children to anger, and that our children will be brought up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We pray for our children, that uh, our covenant children, that they would one day turn and repent and become a part of the redeemed body of Christ. Lord, we also pray for the singles in our church, that they would take their identity from their union with Christ and not from a desire to be married. Lord, help us to serve our singles well in this church. So, Lord, we thank you. We ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, uh, the word uh, that we are going to be looking at today has already been read. It is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Ephesians chapter 6. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. You can't hit what your eyes can't see. If you know me, you know that I am a fan of boxing. I used to box a little bit. I wasn't great, but, you know, that's, that's part of my history. Also, if you are a fan of boxing or if you're a, at least a, a fan of sports history, you know that those were the words of Muhammad Ali, the greatest boxer who ever lived, in my opinion. Now, although Ali's words are comical, they raise a relevant and important question even for the church. The question that Ali's words raise is, how do you fight an invisible enemy? How do you hit what your eyes cannot see? Listen to this quote from The Quiet War by Dominique Page. The Vietnamese people, who had a long history of fierce resistance against foreign domination, used the tactics of asymmetrical and irregular warfare against their more powerful enemies. A common theme among French and American soldiers was that they were fighting an invisible enemy. The Viet Minh and later the Viet Cong blended into the rural population and it was impossible to separate friend from foe. 
Now, the Vietnamese conflict is an example of the difficulty of trying to fight with an enemy that you cannot see. And my brothers and sisters, we are still in the midst of a battle, a struggle with a virus that our eyes simply cannot see. A virus which at times has brought our nation and the entire world to its knees. In our text today, the Apostle Paul uses wartime language to describe the Christian battle against an ever-present but invisible enemy. It is what some Christians refer to as spiritual warfare. Now, my brothers and sisters, spiritual warfare is the constant battle, the constant struggle between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God. It is a constant struggle against a powerful, always present, but invisible enemy. Spiritual warfare, my brothers and sisters, never ends. It is happening at all times. Even now, there is an invisible spiritual battle happening. Although we are in this sacred space, lifting up the name of Jesus, we would be foolish to think that the world, our flesh, and the devil have taken a break. Some of you are probably fighting a spiritual battle to pay attention to me right now. Some of you even probably faced spiritual attacks this morning that tried to prevent you from making it to the gathering. Sometimes it is not coincidental when situations arise. It could actually be spiritual warfare. Now, my brothers and sisters, don't use the reality of spiritual warfare as an excuse to blame everything on the devil. But our text today is going to show us that the devil is always trying to scheme against the people of God. John 10 verse 10 tells us that the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But brothers and sisters, I have good news for you. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus said that he came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. So although spiritual warfare is a constant reality for the believer, the good news of the gospel is that spiritual warfare is a fixed fight. My brothers and sisters, God does not fight fair when it comes to his children. God has already secured victory for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, my brothers and sisters, the war has already been won. So since God has secured victory over the enemy in Christ, we as the people of God are called to stand against our enemy by the power of the Spirit. Let me say that again. Since God has secured victory over the enemy in Christ, we are called to stand against our enemy by the power of the Spirit. My preaching professor, Dr. Robert Smith Jr., would say, I'm Trinitarian, so i got to say it three times. Since God has secured victory over the enemy in Christ, we, as the beloved people of God, who are united with Christ, are called to stand against the enemy by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm in verses 1 Excuse me, verses 10 and 11. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Paul calls for strength in the Lord. Now, in the last two and a half chapters of the book of Ephesians the Apostle Paul has been instructing the Ephesian believers concerning how they should live in community with one another. Paul has rooted their identity in Christ in the first three chapters. And in chapter four, he begins instructing them how they should live in light of their calling as united sons and daughters of Christ. As people who are united by Christ, they must submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so our passage begins 
the final exhortation of Paul's epistle to the church at Ephesus. Paul's exhortation in verse 10 to be strong is it it can be understood as being continually strengthened in the Lord. In the Greek, it is a, is a it, it's a passive verb, so it is a strength that we receive, because the strength that Paul refers to does not come from within; it is a passive strength that comes from God Almighty. So Paul understands that the Ephesian church will have no success with his exhortation if they try to accomplish it by their own strength. And Paul is, re- is preempting the human inclination to try to solve our problems, even our spiritual problems, with our own, pro- our own power and our own intellect. My brothers and sisters, let me make something real clear. The devil, Satan, our adversary, is a supernatural being who has been around a long time. He was there deceiving in the garden. So the devil has been around the block a few times. He's been around the sun a few times. So do you think just because you read a few books, you went to college, or because you've lived 30, 40, or 50 years that you're intelligent enough to outsmart the devil on your own? If you believe that, help you. And bless your heart. May God have mercy on your soul. Because you need something more than brains and brawn when you are engaged in spiritual warfare. That is why the Apostle Paul tells us to put on the full armor of God. Because the devil is a master schemer. He is a master deceiver. John 8:44 tells us that the devil is a liar and he is the father of lies. So the devil has had plenty of time to develop his schemes, to develop his deception, to develop his manipulation. So you need supernatural protection when the devil comes against you. My brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter who your earthly parents are. What matters is that you are spiritually equipped to stand against the devil, the devil's schemes. And my brothers and sisters, I got really excited studying this text this week. I got really excited about the armor of God. Because verses 10 and 11 should make you want to shout. It made me want to shout this week because it showed me that uh, there are two ways that the people of God are at an advantage We are in a position of strength as the people of God. We have a strategic advantage. In the words of Sun Tzu, we have the high ground on the battlefield, and we can see everything that's coming. The first way that the people of God have an advantage is because we have better weaponry. We're better equipped. I think a lot of people think of the armor of God as godly armor. Some people believe that these, uh, the, the elements of the armor of God are just simple principles to live by. But Paul in our text is communicating something so much more profound than that. Now, I'm going to try to do my best to convey what the armor of God really is. Because the armor of God is literally God's armor. It's not just armor from God. It is the armor that belongs to God. So the the Apostle Paul didn't just pull this concept out of thin air because calling it the armor of God seems like a, a crafty, winsome way of talking about the spiritual disciplines. But the armor of God is actually found in the book of Isaiah. And my brothers and sisters, let me just stop right here. Don't sleep on the book of Isaiah. Read that thing, because it's good. It's real good. It's, it's, in a, it's an integral uh, a book for the, the Christian faith. And so in the book of Isaiah, the armor of God is the armor that literally belongs to God and to the Messiah. 
in Isaiah, it is not the people of God who are wearing the armor, but it is Yahweh and the Messiah who have on the armor. In Isaiah 59:17, the armor of God represents God's supernatural power and supernatural authority to subdue his enemies at will. So what Paul has in mind here when he says put on the full armor of God is God's children being bestowed with God's supernatural authority. So when we put on the full armor of God, we are putting on the authority of God. And so that's the first way that we as the people of God are at an advantage. The second way that we are at an advantage and that we are in a position of strength is because we're fighting on our own terms. We're dictating the battlefield. The terms of the battle are dictated by God because God has already secured victory in Christ. There is nothing that can happen if God doesn't allow it to happen. So the Apostle Paul calls us to stand against the schemes of the enemy. And so what Paul is envisioning here is that the church is standing against an enemy on territory that already belongs to us. It's already ours. We're not battling for something that we want. We are actually defending what already belongs to us, which is our place in the kingdom of God. So Paul's exhortation to put on the full armor of God in verse 11 prepares us for what's coming in verse 12. So let me make this clear to you, my brothers and sisters. Just because spiritual warfare is a fixed fight, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Spiritual warfare is kind of like the WWE. Y'all know the WWE, right? Some of you may know it as the WWF or the WCW. But The Undertaker was once asked if wrestling was real. The WWE, they asked him, If it was real. And the undertaker said, well, it hurts like it's real. (laughs) So spiritual warfare is kind of like the WWE. Even though we know the outcome, that doesn't mean that we're not going to have to go through something. I'm in verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The reason we need God's armor is because we are in a struggle against an invisible, supernatural, spiritual enemy. Although the devil and his fallen angels have lost the war, they're still going to try to attack Every believer at any possible time they can. So the Apostle Paul talks about the cosmic powers that we cannot see with our natural eye, but the powers which are always present. The point the Apostle Paul is making here is that natural means won't help us in this battle. They won't do you any good because our enemy is a supernatural enemy. Here's the mistake that Paul is warning us against. Don't misunderstand and forget that we are engaged in spiritual warfare and resort to natural means to stand against the devil. If you use natural means to fight a spiritual battle, you're going to lose. You're going to lose every time. The adage is, don't bring a knife to a gunfight. So why would we put down the spiritual bazooka and result to our fallen strength, our fallen intellect? God is warning us through Paul to use the advantage that he has given us because your enemy is strong, supernaturally strong. But God has already defeated him and we can use what God has given us to stand victorious. And so in the next five verses, the Apostle Paul enumerates and describes the armor of God. Let's look at 13 through 17. 
Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Because we as the people of God are engaged in spiritual warfare, we need the full armor of God. Each piece works in tandem with the other pieces. And Paul is painting a picture that with the full armor equipped, almost every vital organ is covered. But if one piece is missing, it leaves you vulnerable to spiritual attack. So Paul again tells us to take the whole armor of God. The belt of truth holds the armor together. My brothers and sisters, the Christian life is held together by truth. It is what supports us as we wrestle against our invisible enemy. The breastplate of righteousness is God's righteousness that is working on our behalf. Our righteousness, my brothers and sisters, is simply not enough. So we have Christ's righteousness as a protection against the devil's schemes. As the people of God, we are prepared at all times to stand firm against the attacks of the enemy because we got our gospel shoes on. I I love that, gospel shoes. Y'all should just go Google gospel shoes and listen to some of the songs that come up. But we have, we're prepared at all times because we have our gospel shoes on. The, the text in the Greek says something like our feet are bound with the gospel of peace. The gospel is what we stand on when the enemy comes against us with his schemes. And the text says at all times, in other words, most importantly, take up the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. In ancient times, enemies would shoot arrows that were set on fire, which would cause extra damage to their enemies. And in order to counter this, soldiers would dip their shields in water and other liquids to extinguish the fiery darts of their enemies. So God is saying in our text that the shield of faith will put out any and all of the fiery attacks of the devil, but as our pastor says, do you really believe it? The helmet is the assurance of salvation that we have from God. Salvation in this context has a double meaning. It points to our final salvation that we as the redeemed people of God have, but it also means the assurance that God can deliver us from all trouble, from every struggle. And the sword of the spirit is the proclamation of the word of God. The proclamation of the gospel is both an offensive and a defensive weapon in spiritual warfare. So my brothers and sisters, all the armor works together to ensure that we as believers are victorious when we wrestle with a supernatural enemy. The way that you fight against an invisible supernatural enemy is that you use supernatural means. But in verses 18 through 20, Paul talks about something that is vitally important. It's not listed as a part of the armor of God, but it supports us as we engage in spiritual warfare. Paul finishes the final exhortation of the book of Ephesians by calling them to prayer. Let's look at verses 18 through 20. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. 
To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. (coughs) Excuse me. Prayer in the spirit is what will help us to persevere as we stand against the spiritual attacks of the devil. And my brothers and sisters, you all aren't surprised by spiritual warfare. You want me to tell you why? Because uniquely, in a very unique way, for the past two and a half years, our congregation has been engaged in various spiritual warfare. So you're not surprised by this. But prayer, sorry, it's a spider. Yeah, it's a spiritual attack. It may have been poisonous. <laughs> like I said, don't go blaming everything on the devil because that's not legit at all. But prayer in the spirit is the way that we have engaged. I am so thankful I guess I don't see him here today. I'm so thankful that Wes had the idea for us to engage as a church in corporate prayer. Uh, Because prayer is the way that we will persevere and stand against the spiritual attacks of the devil. And prayer in the spirit is prayer that is agreeable to God's will. It's It's prayer that brings you into the presence of God. It is prayer that is biblical and scripturally faithful. The Apostle Paul, he mentions two kinds of prayer. The first is a, is a general kind of prayer. Uh, but in the second kind that he mentions, uh, he mentions specific prayers uh, or prayers of supplication. And so as the body of Christ, as the village church, we should at all times be praying with and for one another. And Paul he, he uses himself as a sort of case study in the last two verses. He requests prayer from the Ephesian church so that he will also be strengthened to stand against the devil when he opens his mouth to proclaim the gospel. Now, my brothers and sisters, some of you may be wondering how we can apply this practically. It sounds good. It sounds uh, mystical even uh, that we are engaged in spiritual warfare. But how can we apply this practically? Well, I'm glad you asked. As a people of God, we should use the spiritual weaponry that he has given us. So use the spiritual discernment that you have because of the spirit that is inside of you when you're engaged with the world. If somebody cuts you off in traffic, again, don't go blaming everything on the devil, but really think about it. Could this be a moment where the enemy is trying to get me off track? Because I don't know about you guys. Sometimes when things happen like that to me, it affects everything else. So I get cut off in traffic, but then I have an argument with my wife. Or I shepherd my children poorly. Or on Sunday mornings, Alex, I don't know if you've ever experienced this. It takes our family a long time to get ready. Or even not on Sunday mornings, we have to go somewhere where everybody's got to be ready. And it just seems like my boys don't want to put the shoes on or that they want another drink of water or that they want another snack. Again, don't go blaming everything on the devil. But in those times, when you deal with your family, when you deal with your co-workers, go to God in prayer and ask him to give you the spiritual wisdom to be able to handle those situations because it may It may not just be coincidence. It may be that you're dealing with a spiritual battle at that time. And so in order 
to have victory, you need to use a spiritual weapon. Let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. (laughs) We thank you that you have given your people a strategic advantage. So Lord, help us to stay equipped with your armor. Help us to trust the spiritual defense, the spiritual weaponry that you have equipped us with. Because when our intellect fails, when our strength fails, Lord, we can depend on you. So God, we thank you for being good to us. We thank you that you have given us spiritual authority to stand against the schemes of the enemy. He is a defeated foe and you are victorious. And as your children, we reign with you. We are heirs with you. So help us, Lord, to live and believe and function through our union with Christ. It is in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit that I do pray. Amen. All right, beloved people, you can stand for God's benediction to his beloved people as we go out into the world to be salt and light, to be the salt and light that he has made us. So now receive the Lord's benediction, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Please go in grace. God bless you.